You are listening to World Harvest Church's weekly podcast. WHC is a cross-cultural church with passion for reaching the lost and hurting. We are mission-minded and committed to raising up generations of mighty men and women of God. If you're in the Atlanta area, check us out on Sunday mornings at either 9 or 11.15 a.m. or on Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. From wherever you're listening, we hope this week's message empowers you to grow and go. Uh, I want to tell you a little bit of something about me. A lot of you guys know me, and a lot of you guys um, may not. But I think it's important, you know, the Bible says, know, know, know those that labor among you. And I think it's important just that you know that I am a family man. That's who I am. I'm a family man. You know, I have my beautiful wife that sits right next to me over 35 years. Thank you, sweetheart. And, of course, my daughter. But I want to tell you a little bit about where I've come from and how we've gotten here. Um, you know, when I, was, when I was very young, my parents used to go to church all the time. And, you know, I can't say that I grew up in church when I was really little, but I knew that my parents went to church because I can remember the day that my mother came home and told me that she wasn't going to go to church anymore because she saw her pastor in the bar drinking. And that just kind of destroyed it. She saw all the things that were going on because they were in the choir at church. And she saw so much stuff going on in the church that she decided that she wasn't going to be involved in the church anymore. So she left the church. Now, my grandmother prayed for me constantly. My grandmother loved me. In fact, the day she passed away, you know, we went into her house and she had a box of every tape. You know, back in those days, they give out tapes. And she had every message that I had ever preached. And it was in a box. And she would always tell me, you know, you, go, you just go preach the word now. You just preach the word of God. And she spoke into my life and she helped me to be the man of God that I am today. I had two natural sisters that were born with me. And, you know, one of my sisters, I remember uh, back in 1977, I remember, you know, I I wasn't saved when I was uh, young. (laughs) I I wasn't saved. And um, that may be a shock to some of you. But I remember my sister, I would come home from, you know, from hanging out with my friends and she would be like kneeling down by my bedside praying. And I'm like, get up. Don't touch my bed. What are you doing? You know, because I was like, that's just, ugh. Because I didn't know, you know, she had just got saved. And I knew her life before she got saved. And so, see, when you know somebody's life before they get saved, then you see they get saved and you see that transition, you're like, is this all real? What, what, what happened? But she made a decision to serve Jesus. I remember when my mother left my father, you know, I came home from school one day and, you know, I thought we were like leave it to beaver. I thought we were like the greatest, happiest family that there ever was. And it was me and my two sisters. And my mother called us in. I remember like it was yesterday. She was ironing and she said, Oh, um, by the way, your, your, your father and I are getting divorced, and um, I'm leaving, and I want to know, who do you want to go live with? And I was like, what are you talking about? I thought we were just a happy family. I never knew that they were having all kinds of issues and problems, but she made a decision that she was going to leave my dad. So my sisters crying, said, Mommy, we're going 
we're going to go live with you. And I said, well, let's see. I guess I was maybe eight. And I said, well, let's see. If you guys are going to go live with mommy, I guess I need to stay with dad because he's going to need somebody to be with him. I didn't, you know, I had no idea what was going on, but because I couldn't wrap my head around the fact that my family was going to be separated. So my sisters went to go live with my mom and my dad and I stayed in our house. Now, my dad, who I love tremendously, he is like one of my my best friends today. And, you know, I speak to him every Wednesday. and We talk about the Yankees and the Mets and the Giants and the Jets. That's all we talk about. But I love my dad. He's an incredible man of God. But, you know, back in those days, Papa was a rolling stone. And Papa, you know, he, he had friends that would come to the house and hallelujah. <laughs> Some of these friends were just like a hair older than me, it seemed like. And I'm like, okay, this, I, mm, I, don't, I don't quite get this, how this all works out. So I decided one day, I made a decision that I was going to leave my dad's house and go stay with my mom. Because I didn't like the way my dad's new wife, this is wife number two, was treating me. So I said, that's it, I'm going over there. And I went to go live with my mom, and my mom was married to her high school sweetheart, who was a Muslim. And he told me that in order for me to come into his house, I had to become a Muslim. So my name was Willie 22X, because I had to join the Nation of Islam. Because you guys know in the nation, they, they strip your last name because that was your slave name given to you. And you become an ex, like Malcolm X. Oh, come on, y'all. So I was Willie 22X. In other words, I was the 22nd Willie to be in the nation of Islam. And so they taught me at that time at a very young age that men, especially young black men, needed to always dress so to the nines and you always had to keep your hair cut tight and you had to back in the day I wore a bow tie you know I was the brother on the corner selling the Muhammad speaks in the bean pies come on now y'all don't know what I'm talking about some of y'all some of y'all been living down south too long y'all got to, y'all got to get out oh they only did that up north oh oh y'all seen that before I go, now you pull up at the street corner and I go knock on your door. Muhammad speaks my brother, you know. But I, you know, I learned how when I was young, how to dress. I learned how to, how to make my bed like I was in the army. I learned how to tie a tie. And it was like, these are the things that were important. I learned all about religion. I understood when Ramadan came that we were going to be fasting. And they made you read the book, How to Eat to Live. That's why food's not really that important to me today. Some people, you know, they live to eat. I was taught how to eat to live. Because they always expected that the end was going to come. And we better be prepared when there's no food around. So that's how I grew up. and, And I remember when... When my father got married for the... Third or fourth time, I I lose count after a while. I said, you know, God, family is so important to me. And all I ever wanted to do growing up was to be a husband and a father. That's all I wanted. I didn't care about anything else. I just wanted to be a husband and a father. 
And that's what mattered to me. So the enemy thought that the day our son went home to go be with the Lord, he thought he could take me out because, wait a minute, you've just stopped the line because that was my only son. That's why my daughter getting married to such a great man of God is so important. Because the line doesn't stop. Because the family that God gave me is stronger than that. So I wanted to talk to you this morning about, really, it's about being a part of a supernatural family. But in order to understand that, you really got to understand that I was created by God for God. And God created me to be a part of a family. And family from the very, very beginning was God's idea. That was God's plan. That's how God set it up. You know, when, when God spoke to Adam and Eve, he said to, to them to be fruitful and to multiply. In other words, he had a wife, a husband, now you can have children. There's an order in God. Husband, man, wife, woman, children will come. <laughs> All throughout the Bible, God illustrated relationships to him as being part of a family. God always calls us father. God, God looks at it. He says, I'm your father. I'm your father. I'm your father. I love you. I love you. I'm your father. And that's so important. But the challenge that we have a lot of times is that we compare our natural fathers to God. When they'll never, they'll never, they'll never make it. Our natural fathers can never be God. You guys are that good. Our natural fathers can never be God. Because God's love is unconditional. And if your natural father, maybe your natural father left you or your natural father didn't really love you, it's hard for you to accept and believe that God's love is unconditional and that he will never leave you or forsake you. That's really hard to do. And a lot of times in, 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 in our Christian world, we kind of look at it and we say, no, I, I understand that God is my father. Well, do we really? Do we really understand that this, everything that we're doing right now is all about family? It's all about family. So look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor, I'm in the family of God. And God loves me. And God is my father. God, the Bible says, will never give up on me. That scripture that says he will never leave me or forsake me. Forsake means to give up or abandon. God said he will never leave me or abandon me. He will never just leave me to my own devices. Even though I might make some crazy decisions, God will never leave me. The Bible says in Psalms 84, 11, that there is no good thing that God withholds from me. Why? Because he loves me. He loves me. He loves me. God loves me. There's no good thing he'll withhold from me. Sometimes we misunderstand God as father and, you know, the Bible says in, in Jeremiah 1.5, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. In other words, God knew me and God loved me even before I could love him. God knew me and loved me before I was even created. 
God looked down in history and he saw the plans and the purposes that he had for me and he loved me. God knew all the mistakes that I was going to make. God knew every time that I would make a, a dumb decision, but he still loved me. He still loved me. He still loved me. And that's the kind of God we serve. You know, so my whole life, God has just been waiting for me to receive the love that he has for me as father. The Bible says in Psalms 139, 14, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful and I know them full well. God is my father and he loves me. The most important decision that I will ever make in my life is to receive the love of God and accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. Now, because you're in church this morning, I do not make the assumption that you've made that decision. I've been around too long. And I understand that for some people, church is the thing that they do on Sunday morning. But I'm talking about the love of God. I'm talking about God being your father. That's a decision that each one of us have to make. We have to make that decision. But before I made the decision to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior of my life, the devil was my father. The devil was my father. Now, that's, that's you know, again, that's not something that we like to talk about. But you can only have it one or two ways. It's either God is your father or the devil is your father. There's, there's no in-between. There's no in-between. Now, if the devil is your father, let me, let me explain this to you. The devil does not love you. Even though he may be your father, the devil does not love you. In fact, let me take it one step further. The devil does not have the capacity to love. It's not in his DNA. Just like God does not have the capacity to lie. So y'all don't know what I'm talking about. The devil doesn't have the capacity to love you. So even as your father, if you have not accepted Jesus, the devil doesn't love you. He just wants to use you. So what he does is he displays counterfeit love. And before you got saved, how many of you were born saved? Let me see how you were born saved. That means none of you in Jesus' name. That means before you got saved, you were looking for love in all the wrong places. Because you were created by God for God and that there was something on the inside of you that was craving love. There was something on the inside of you that wanted love. So what the devil did is he tries to, to give you something to, to soothe that. He'll give you sex. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about. He'll give you drugs. He will give you whatever it takes to make you think that you have some love in your life. 
But the devil does not love you. He doesn't love you. God loves you. God loves you. The Bible says this. Let me read this long scripture to you. It's John 1, 4, John 1, 4, 7 through 19. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God, and God knows him. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this love, not that we have loved God, but that God loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and him in us because he has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the father has sent the son to be the savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe that love, that the love that God has for us, God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfected, which, which by this love is perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out all fear, because fear has to do with punishment or torment. And whoever fears does not have perfect love. We loved him because he first loved us. Let me tell you something. God loves me. The devil does not love me. The devil only wants to destroy me. Even as my father, the devil has no real desire for me. That's why abortion is so important to the devil. Because telling my wife, you know, it's amazing how when, when we were growing up in the church, Roe versus Wade was like, I mean, it was like, oh, my God, we got to get Roe versus Wade overturned. We got to get it overturned. We gotta, it was so important to us as Christians. Today, it's like, man, we got so many other issues. It's like, Roe. Now, we're just trying to hold on to marriage. Oh, y'all don't know what I'm talking about. The devil has gotten to a place where now, because abortion is legal, it's not even what's important anymore to us. Uh, the devil has always been after the seed. Always. Always. The abortion rate is just staggering. It's, it's staggering. In fact, there's one abortion for every 64 adoptions. In the country. You say, well, that doesn't sound like a lot. It is when you extrapolate it. 
That's a lot. And I don't want anybody to be under condemnation, you know, because God, you know, sin is sin to God. And there may be someone out here today that's gone through that. Maybe they've had an abortion. God forgives because he loves you. Because he loves you. But there is a natural abortion, but there's also a spiritual abortion. The spiritual abortion is when and if the devil can get you. See, because if you come out of the womb, now you're a different threat to the devil. If he can kill you in the womb, he's got you. You're out of the womb, he's still, he's still after you. He's trying to abort the destiny or the plan that God has for your life. The devil is always out to abort the plan of God for your life. You know, something interesting, I was sitting there on Wednesday night and Pastor Linda was ministering and she was talking about all the, the great things that are coming. And I'm like, oh, praise the Lord. And I'm taking notes, I'm taking notes. And all of a sudden, you know, and God just like, he just constantly messes with me. I'm like, will you stop messing with me? <laughs> I was sitting there Wednesday night and God said to me, hey, write this down. And I'm like, okay. I'm trying to take notes. I'm listening to Pastor Linda and I'm like trying to take notes. Like, What'd she say? What'd she say? I'm trying to learn how to spell millennium. You know, I'm <laughs> <laughs> Millennium, 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 I'm like, it's an M, and I'm missing half the terms of it. <laughs> and God spoke to my heart, and he said, you know something? There's 66 books in the Bible, and there's a whole lot spoken. He said, but you know, the devil has only been allowed to speak to three people in the Bible. I see y'all racking your brain now. That's not true. <laughs> y'all can go check it out later. The devil spoke to God, and he asked him, could he touch his servant Job? The devil spoke to Jesus when he was in the garden. Let me see, in the wilderness, Right? Because he was tempting Jesus and Jesus had to smack him down with the word. Amen. And the devil spoke to the first family that God created. He spoke to Eve and Adam was there. He spoke to them before she was pregnant. He was trying to do something before the family got started. But it was God's mercy that even though they listened, God's plan still came to pass. Some of y'all looking at me like, what? 
The devil has always been after the seed. You know, we give the devil a little bit too much credit. You would think that the devil has always been talking. No, mm -mm. we give him way too much credit. God didn't give him that much of a voice in the word. We give him way too much voice on this earth. So don't get it twisted. Abortion is very important to God. It's very important to God. So, you know, we have some decisions that we have to make. So the devil's plan A is try to abort you in the womb. His plan B is try to abort the purpose and plan of God for your life, the destiny of your life. God doesn't have a plan B. He has one plan. He, he doesn't have a plan B. I want to tell you what God's plan is. And that's in Ephesians 1. It's Ephesians 1, 4, and 5. I want you to listen to this. The Bible says, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and his will. This is one of the most powerful scriptures in the word of God. Turn to your neighbor and say, God chose me. God, before the beginning of the foundation of the world, before there was creation, the Bible says, that God saw me and he chose me to be a part of his family. Adoption was always God's plan for this earth. Always. Always. And in verse 5, that term adoption to sonship is, a, is in the Greek, it's a legal term that affords you all the rights of an heir. God's plan was always to adopt you. Always. That's what he had in mind. Where the devil was talking about abortion, God was talking about adoption. Amen. So when I said yes to Jesus, God adopted me into his family. Amen. This was a setup from the beginning of time. God always had this on his mind. Through Jesus, God was going to adopt me to be his son. And the Bible says he did it because he loved me. Yes. He did it because he loved me. Yes. That's why the gospel or the good news, that's what it's all about. If I could just share with someone that God loved me. And before I, before I was even born, before I even sinned, before I screwed up, God's plan was to adopt me. You know, I... I God created me to be in his family. I tell you, you know, for, for, for a lot of you, you, you look at me like... Yeah, no kidding, Pastor. But that's a revelation. God loved you so much that he wanted to adopt you. And if you've never adopted a child, you know the process is not easy. It's not easy. But apart from Christ, I'm isolated from the love and the mercy of God. But through the cross, I was able to be adopted into God's family. And there's blessings and benefits 
in that adoption. There's some blessings and benefits in that adoption. But blessings and benefits are just one piece, just one little uh, a piece of, of what God did for me. Romans 8.17 said, now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Co-heirs with Christ. We're joint heirs. We're co-heirs with Christ. Let me, let me give you a, a quick clue here. You know, I'm a, I'm a big sports fan. And anytime you are a co-anything, you know, they had co-MVPs, right? So, you know, a co-MVP means that both of you are the same. Anytime you are co with Christ, you're pretty good. Anytime you could be mentioned in the same name with Jesus, you're doing pretty good. So the Bible says that you are an heir of God and a co-heir with Christ. Yeah, I was talking to, to Pastor Glenn before service, and he, he said something to me that I, I thought was just great. You know, he said, you know, kings back, kings used to have like, you know, 20 kids. They would have 20 sons and a bunch of sons. But they had to adopt one to make sure that there was no confusion who was going to be the heir. Oh, y'all don't know what I'm talking about. God adopted me. He adopted me. He said, everything that I have, I'm giving to you. It's all yours. It's all yours. It's all mine. You know, when, I, when we think about inheritance, I go back to Luke chapter 15 and think about the prodigal son. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but you guys know the prodigal son. You know the story. Here you got a father with two sons. When I get to heaven, I'm going to ask Jesus, why didn't he talk about the mother? Because she would have said, no, you ain't giving them knuckleheads no money, nothing. You get your behind back out there go to work. You know, you, know you, you, leave, you leave the father and two sons by themselves, and next thing you know, you got a mess on your hands. So the prodigal son, you got these two sons. And one son comes and says, give me my portion of the inheritance. You know, when we look at that a lot of times, we, we think that what happened was that the father gave him everything at that time. But that's not the case. The father only gave him a portion. And he went out and he spent. In fact, he gave a portion to both sons. So the one went out and he, he spent everything he had, the Bible says, on a riotous living. He spent it all on foolishness and the stuff of this world. But what he didn't know and understand was there was actually more inheritance that belonged to him. So even while he was in the pig pen, he was still an heir. He just didn't know it. You know, sometimes we think, you know, the devil would have us to think. That because I screwed up, 
I've lost my inheritance. You're one repentance away. Even though you've been saved for so many years, you're one repentance away from your inheritance. And the son that was in the house, they got upset when the brother came back. He didn't understand that he had access to the inheritance at all times. So whether you're sitting in church, smiling, not understanding what's going on, (laughs) wondering when it's going to be over, I'm telling you, you have access into an unlimited inheritance. It's an unlimited inheritance. The Bible says in Acts 20, verse 32. So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance amongst all those who are being sanctified. So our inheritance is revealed to us by and through the word of God. We know and understand that we have an inheritance by and through the word of God. So you say, well, what is my inheritance? I'm glad you asked that question. Matthew 25, 34 says this. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, come, you blessed of my father, inherit inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. So in other words, knowing and studying the kingdom of God is studying your inheritance. Once you get a hold of and understand that God has a kingdom, you know, Pastor Linda talked about that. God has a kingdom. It's not a metaphor. And you are a co-heir in that kingdom. But you understand that kingdom through the word of God. And I wonder if that's why in in Matthew 6.33 it says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Seek ye first to understand what your inheritance is. And all of the other stuff will be added to you. Because once you understand your inheritance and who you are and who God made you to be, all that other stuff, you'll realize you already have it. It's all yours. It's all yours. You're not lacking for anything. It's all yours in Jesus' name. So understanding our inheritance is important. But if you you think about this, everything that happens in the natural happened in the spirit first. So in the natural, how do you understand your inheritance? In the natural. I will tell you, we have one daughter. We have one daughter. Now, now Jackie knows the things that she sees. She knows that, you know, if we were to die on a, on a mission trip going to South Africa, because we ain't going to be like doing nothing crazy. We're going to be on the mission field. <laughs> she knows that if something happens to us, 
she would inherit everything that we have. <laughs> now think about this. All Jackie knows is she can inherit a house that's paid for in Jesus' name. She might inherit some, some 401k or she knows there's some things that we have that she's going to inherit. She knows that. But there's other things that we have that she doesn't even know. And she won't know them until after we pass. Watch this. And she's sitting and they're reading the will. Come on now. You know the inheritance that God has for you because it's in the will. Come on, y'all. Healing is in the will. Y'all don't know where I'm going. Come on, y'all. Prosperity is in the will. Joy is in the will. So when the devil comes to you with sickness, you can say to him, oh, no, no, no. See, right here, it's written in the will that I, oh, y'all don't know. You got to know what the will of God is. And once you understand the will of God, you will understand your inheritance. But it's in the will, it's in the will, it's in the will. It's in the will. And God's will is God's word. But just like my daughter could be sitting and, and somebody's reading the will to her. And she's sitting there saying, I don't, I don't understand all the things that they're reading to me in the will. Sometimes you have to go and get someone to help you to understand the will. That's what pastors do. Y'all don't know what. Mm. Y'all going to get this later. Sometimes you need someone to help you read the will and to help you understand what the will says. That's what church is all about. Every Sunday, pastors up here reading. You have an inheritance. You have an inheritance. God told you what it was. It's in his will. Because you've been adopted. Because God loves you. He loves you. It doesn't matter what you're going through. God loves you. And all you have to do is make the decision to receive the love of God. And everything that's written in the will can be yours. Everything.
You know, there are, there's a difference between, and I'm not going to get into the specifics of it, but there's a difference between being adopted and a child being an orphan. There's a difference. And, you know, just for whenever you get some time, just go back and study that. You know, because the word orphan is only used twice in the Bible. It's only used twice. God talks about visiting widows and orphans. And then he said this, and this is an important scripture, and this is out in the Passion Translation for Pastor Merrick. Uh, John 14, <laughs> verse number 18, he says this, I promise you, I promise you that I will never leave you helpless or abandon you as orphans. I will come back to you. I will come back to you. I promise you, I will never leave you helpless or abandon you, but I'll come back to you. How much does God love you? How much does God love you? You know, if you've been, you know, on a mission trip and you've been to the, to the, to the dump and you've seen the children living in the dump, you've been to orphanages and you've seen children, hundreds of children in orphanages. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what it's like to think that no one wants you? But God said, I'm coming back for you. I'm coming back for you. That word orphan in that text is from an obscure word. It, it means lonely. It means lonely. So the Bible says this, I promise that I will never leave you helpless or abandon you as lonely. Can I tell you that the devil uses that spirit of abandonment to get you? He uses a spirit of loneliness to get you. You could be saved, you could be in a family and still be lonely. Because even though you could have a great natural family, I want to tell you, God's idea was always for your spiritual family. That's why this is so important to me. Coming to church is not just a thing that we do. It's not just a nice gathering of people. My brother Scott Jones is over there. That's my brother. That's my brother. God, I get to come and I get to see my brother. I get to see my sister Grace and Tessa. Wow. My family is there. God does something supernatural in the spirit. Family is important to God. But it's a spiritual family as much as it is a natural family. But sometimes we take church and we say, I'll stay home and just watch it online. I don't really need to be there. No, I miss you too much. I miss you. You're my family. 
You know how it's been, you know, when you, you finally get to see your family on Christmas or Thanksgiving, how awesome it is. But you also know when the only time you see your family is at a funeral. You say things like, we just got to get together more often. Come on, y'all. Man, I, I, we need to get together when things are good. Can I tell you things are good right now? Amen. Things are good right now. I love you. God loves you. Be a part of the family of God. One last scripture. I told you that word orphan means lonely. But the Bible says this in Psalm 68, verse 6. God sets the lonely in families. So if you're lonely, I got some good news for you. God has a family waiting for you. God has a family waiting just for you. God has World Harvest Church. We're a family. We're waiting for you. God sets the lonely. He'll pick you up from wherever you're at. He'll dust you off. He'll love on you so much. And he says, I want you to be a part of my family. He says, there's brothers and sisters there that love you. You know, I believe that God's so not worried about the devil. God's not worried about the devil aborting the plan. God's only concern is will you make a decision to follow him? That's all God's concerned with. Will you just decide to follow me, to receive my love? And as we do that, we receive the inheritance. It's in the will. You know, are we taking, I'd like to take communion. Do we have, do we pass our communion? Because, you know, let me, and I don't want to make light of it, but I want to tell you, Something. Communion, when you are in the house of God, everybody raise your hand if you need a communion. I need one in Jesus' name. Thank you. Communion, when you are in the house of God, First of all, this, the Bible says, is for those that know Jesus. This communion is for people that are in the family of God. So before we even take communion, let's, we're going to pray. And I want every head bowed and every eye closed. And if as I was talking, you said, Pastor, I don't, I don't feel like I've been adopted into the family. 
I don't know Jesus like that. I don't know God as my father. Today can be your day. You're not here by accident. It's a part of the plan of God. God has a family for you. Just waiting. And the only decision that you need to make is to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Now with every head bowed again and every eye closed, all I'm going to ask that you do is if you want to be a part of this family of God, an eternal family, where God is your Father, without even thinking about it, just slip your hand up, there's nobody looking. It's between you and God. It's between you and God. And you get to be in the family. I see that hand. You get to be in the family. You get to be a part of the inheritance. You get <laughs> to read the will. Your name is in the will. It's written. You can put your hand down. We're going to all pray. We're going to say this together. Say, Father, Father in Jesus' name, in Jesus name I, thank you I thank you that you made access for me through the blood of Jesus to be a part of your kingdom. I receive you today, Jesus, as Lord and Savior of my life. Come in, Jesus. Come into my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you would take that, the body of Jesus. You know, I was thinking how this is like family dinner. We're having a family meal together. And I get to share with my brothers and sisters. The Bible says that on the night before he died that Jesus took the bread and he broke it and he gave thanks to God. He says, this is my body that was broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Go ahead and take that. Then he took the cup. He said, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. As often as you drink this, you proclaim, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Go ahead and take that. You know, I, I love you guys. I love this family of God. I love this family. And there's no place I'd rather be than in the house of God. And I thank you for sharing a meal with me.
God's doing something great. He's teaching me how to love my brothers and sisters even more and to not take them for granted. And if I don't see them, I want to reach out. I want to call them and just, you ever felt like, man, I haven't talked to my sisters or I haven't talked to my brothers in so long. I just want to. And even though my natural family is just so important to me, my spiritual family is too. So God is a great God. And he loves you. He loves you. He loves you. Amen? Amen. Why don't you stand to your feet? Somewhere around there. Um, since I'm up here, I might as well go ahead and close the service. <laughs> this is what I do. If you are a guest with us today, we'd love to meet with you. Right out through those doors, down the hall, we have a guest reception. Promise we won't keep you very long. we just love to get to know who you are, get to know your name. And if you had an opportunity today to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, there'll be some deacons, elders, pastors right down here in front that you just come shake their hand and just say, hey, you know, I'm in the family. I received Jesus today. We'd love to get to meet you. Don't forget all the things we got going on. There's a lot happening here at World Harvest. We're a busy family. But God is good. Continue to pray for your pastors and the leaders of the church. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your grace, your love, your mercy. We thank you, Father, that you adopted us into your family and you made us to be heirs and co-heirs with Christ. Lord, we give you praise and honor for this great day. And today, Father, we make the decision to receive the love of God in our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. amen. Go on to peace of the Lord. Make sure you take your communion and throw it in the buckets as you leave. And we'll see you Wednesday night. Hallelujah.
Thank you once again for listening to World Harvest Church's podcast. World Harvest Church is pastored by Pastor Merrick and Linda Houghton in Roswell, Georgia. If you're interested in learning more about us, please visit our website at whcga.com. Like our Facebook page and subscribe to our YouTube channel by typing WHCGA into the search bar on both platforms. And we hope you have a blessed week.